Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. So, in this context of, of God speaking and, and hearing and having confirmed the Bible, I was sitting in reading, doing my morning Bible reading one morning, and, you know, I thought I heard God say to me, go, to, go into the Soviet Union and hire the biggest stadium in the land for a Christian crusade. Back then you could say crusade. Now I'm not sure you can, but anyway. I thought, That's, that really is crazy. Now, the only thing that made any sense at all is that I speak Russian. I learned it at university and I taught it at the Institute of Modern Languages and used it over a number of years. But other than that, it made no sense. I had no connections into, into Russia. And you know, then it's like when God gives you a word like that, especially if it's a, going to, it's a significant thing, I believe he'll start to confirm it in different ways. And time and again, um, things happened. People spoke to me. I remember Bernie Gray, who used to run full, uh, um, full gospel businessman in, 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 in Queensland. Most, a lot of you would know Bernie. He's dead now. I was doing some PR work for FGB, and he came in and sat down, and we're supposed to be talking about an advertising campaign that my company was doing, and he started talking about Russia. And he on and on and on, and I said, Bernie, what are you on about? You know, we're here to talk about advertising. Things like that kept happening. And... Uh, Eventually, I, we came to the, I came to the realisation that God seemed to be telling us to go into the Soviet Union and do this thing. Now, we, I remember I went and spoke to my pastor, Clark Taylor. And uh, back in those days, if you want to get on in COC, you start a church. That's what you do. There's no other way to really, unless you're an administrator, which I wasn't. So I went to Clark and I said, look, I feel God's calling me, you know, in something to do with Russia, the Soviet Union. And he sort of hummed and hard for a minute. He said, yeah, he said, I believe that's God. He says, this is what I want you to do, John. I'll put you into a, an accelerated ministry training course. Maybe, Rob, you were running that then. I'm not sure. And you can start a church in Moscow. <laughs> ah, okay. Now, to be honest, in the natural, straight away, I thought, wow, I was, my ego was slightly tickled. Yeah, COC, Moscow, sounds good. And I come home to Kay, and you know, there's a, there's a scripture in the Bible somewhere in Proverbs that talks about, you know, man plans his way, but God has the final say. That's not the exact words, but to that, to that effect. And sometimes your wife has the other say too. So I came home and I said, ha, we're going to go to Moscow and start a church. And she said, oh, you know that, oh, <laughs> men? And she said, let's pray about this, which, of course, is code for not in your nelly. <laughs> so, so we prayed about it. And I realised, you know, I don't have a pastor. I mean, pastors are very special people. I mean, a true pastor with a pastoral calling has got love and compassion and, and, and they love people. My idea of, of, of counselling would be, you know, get a life. Just get on with it. Now, I, I, that's not my call. I realise that that's not my call. That's not to say that I can't do other stuff. 
but I believe there are quite, as you say, fivefold callings, and um, we can all be prophets, prof we can prophesy, we can do all those other things. But, so, I uh, said, going back to Clark, and I said, no, um, that's not, I, I feel, I, you know, I feel God's called me you know, over there to do this other thing. And uh, it's a long story, which I won't go into the details, because we'll be here by nine o'clock tonight. But to cut the story a little bit short, he, uh, he said, well, okay. And then he actually disappeared from the church, and his brother Max was actually running it that, when this all happened. Remember, Max and Julie Taylor, they said, yeah, it's yeah, fantastic. You know, we'll back you. And we'll get the church behind you. So they got me up front and fight, you know, in front of, in those days, about 6,000 people and said, you know, John and Kay are going to go into the Soviet Union and they're going to do all these great things and blah, blah. And they, they got behind us. And the other interesting thing was, I, sh I should say along the way, that I was working for an advertising agency, uh, David Delaney and Associates, and I was the general manager. And... I had done quite good work there. I, I, I think I'd quadrupled the billings and it was all going very well. And I came into, into the office one morning and I thought, I've got to tell David that I'm, I'm leaving to, to do this thing in Russia. I can't obviously run this advertising agency and go off to Russia. So I remember I um, went to David and I said, you know, this is what I feel God's saying. And, you know, he, he's a Christian. He's really tuned into the spirit. And he said, I knew you were going to come. And, you know, it was, it was just like that. Then I thought to myself, okay, I've got no job. It's gonna cost us a lot of money to do this thing in Russia. What, what should I do? I, said, I know what I'll do. I'll put my house on the market, sell the house. Hadn't occurred to me that I maybe should have discussed it with some other people like my wife. But that afternoon, I went and picked her up from school and she said, um, what's new? How was your day? And I said, oh, just another day. Uh, resigned my job and sold the house. But, we didn't actually sell the house. But, you know, sometimes you just, you just do things. I, I say to people, too, that, you know, don't jump too fast. Don't do what I did. Because if God opens the way, he will take you through it in his own time and way. So we got up, anyway, several times in front of the church, and then eventually they farewelled us on our trip over there. And uh, I remember a little old lady came up to us and prayed for us, and she gave us... $50 or something, and said, this is to help you. I said, okay, that's great. And then another lady came up and said, um, i got a word for you, St Andrews. And I thought, well, that's interesting, but, you know, we're not going to Scotland, <laughs> we're going to Russia, St Vladimir or whatever, St Basil. But no, St Andrews. So off we went. And, you know, being the sort of person I am, quite proactive, I'd made all sorts of connections by this time. We'd, we'd met talked on the phone with people in Moscow and set up meetings in Moscow and St. Petersburg, went over there, and it was just terrible. Every door was closed. We went out into the sticks of Moscow in, 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 in you know, miles out and had doors slammed in our face. We, people thought we were the KGB. I mean, nothing worked. So we left, we left Moscow, we went to St. Petersburg. I thought, well, something will open up in St. Petersburg maybe, because I'm all the time looking for this big stadium the biggest stadium in the Soviet Union, which I thought had to be in Moscow. So we end up at um, St. Petersburg. Nothing. Doors shut. I remember saying to Kay, you know, I think we might have to change churches. God's calling me out of Christian Outreach Centre. I can't go back there and, you know, and say it was all a big mistake. <laughs> anyway, we had a little end on our trip in Kiev, in the Ukraine. And that 
was not any, didn't have any arrangements made, did nothing in our own strength. It was just a little holiday. So we got to, got to Kiev and uh, booked into our little hotel. Back in those days in, place, in Kiev and places like that, they had some interesting things, nothing to eat, and you had to reuse the toilet paper. The toilet, the to this is a good story, isn't it? The toilet paper was kept in a little box next to the, next to the toilet and you scruffle around till you find a bit that's... Am I, am I telling a lie? Yeah, okay. That was back then. So anyway, we, we get to, to Kiev. What do we do? I took an to in-tourist tour bus in an English, with an English uh, guide. She took us around. And lo and behold, we stopped at an, a, a big cathedral called St Andrews. I thought, oh, that's interesting. That lady gave us a word, St Andrews. And there's a St Andrews Cathedral. So we ended the tour. We went back to the cathedral. And um, we... we, we, we she, taught, she told the story, actually, that St... That, St. Andrew, in the first century, came from the Middle East to Kiev and claimed it for Christ. Now, if any of you know anything about the, so the former Soviet Union, the Ukraine has been the breadbasket and also the spiritual breadbasket of the Soviet Union. Right now, the biggest church in the whole, in fact, the biggest single congregation in Europe is in Kiev. And um, so we, we uh, decided we'd go back and have a look at St Andrews. So we're walking back along the, the road towards the, towards the um, cathedral, bearing in mind that I'm thinking, you know, it's all over for us. It's, this is just playing the game now. And when we get back to Brisbane, we'll have to confess up that we missed, the, missed God or wasn't God. Wasn't looking forward to that. I still had ego in those days. So um, we're walking along and we, I, I just saw a little sign on a, a building. Now, the whole area was grotty, it was dirty, windows broken, you know, potholes everywhere. I mean, the Soviet Union in those days was really a mess. Little sign said, Blagaya Viest, which means good news. And we just said, oh, that's interesting. So I said, let's go in and see. So Kay said, no, I'm not going in. So she stood there and I went in. And uh, I went into this sort of broken down kind of reception room where there was nobody there. Went through another door into another room by which time she thought she'd better come, so Kay was with me then. And we went into a third room, right in the bowels of this old derelict building. And, you know, in, back, back before we'd left in Brisbane, we were teaching um, people in the church to, to speak Russian. And we were teaching them Russian choruses, or teaching them choruses in Russian. There's one in particular. What was it? What was it? Give thanks with a grateful heart. Anybody remember that old, that, old, that old one? Anyway, in Russian. So we're in this third room in the middle of communist Ukraine in, the head, in Kiev. We're standing there. And, you know, I th thought I could hear give thanks with a grateful heart being sung in Russian. And I thought, you know, I must be, I really have gone around the twist. And uh, we stood there and I, we, we both heard it. So we looked around and we couldn't see any obvious doors, but I could see one place where there was a sort of a, a crack. And we pushed that and it opened up and we went down some steps and down there were about a dozen, 15 young Ukrainian spirit-filled Christians. Their pastor had just been beaten to within an inch of his life. He was there all blood and bruised. 
KGB had got him. These are illegal people, the underground church. And they'd been praying for a miracle. Now, I've been called all sorts of funny things, but never a miracle. But we were their miracle. We came with money. We came with Bibles. We came with all sorts of stuff we brought. We came with soap and toilet paper, really important stuff like that. But, you know, to them, it was just an amazing thing. That we, Out of nowhere, we dropped out of Australia into this little room where they'd been praying for God to move. And they'd been praying and praying and praying. You know, we stood there amongst that little group of, of Ukrainians. And to be honest, I've never felt the presence of God like that. It was heavy. And you could just sense it. It suddenly occurred to me, this is where God was bringing us. So we, we, we sort of sat there. And then I started talking to the pastor, uh, Valeri. And I said, Valeri, you're going to think I'm, you know, a bit strange, but then we are Australian, so you expect that. I said, I, I believe God's told us to come to the Soviet Union and hire the largest stadium in the, in, the, in, the, in the whole nation for a Christian event, a Christian crusade. He said, oh, the, the, the biggest stadium in the Soviet Union is right here, the Republican Stadium, holds 130,000 people. I said, wow, Okay. Turned out it was just near our, near our hotel. I said to, to Valeri, well, you know, we come all this way. Can we go and have a look at the stadium and maybe meet the, whoever runs it? And he said, oh, you know, come on. And he's just been beat up by the KGB. So um, he took, me to the, took us to the, um, to the stadium. And we, I went to, the, went to the door. And as I could speak Russian, so I sort of said to the lady in the front, you know, we're from Australia and, uh, you know, we would like to meet the director of the stadium. And she said, oh, Mr. Demidov, just a moment. Came back and said, yeah, Mr. Demidov will see you. So in we trotted. And I, brought, I had with me a whole bunch of um, Christian paraphernalia. Tapes, back in the, remember tapes? Yeah. Scripture in song, all those old tapes. And Mr. Demidov, sitting in this great big office, we said to him, you know, this is gonna be a very strange request, but is it possible? to hire the Republican Stadium for a Christian event with a, with a speaker from Australia. He said, um, yes, of course. I said, really? He said, we have freedom of religion in this country. And he said, I, can, I control the stadium. And he said, yes, you can have your event. And he said, what's more? He said, I'm the, the, the chairman of Ukrainian television. We will promote your crusade on Ukrainian television. I mean, bear in mind, you know, my own strength and Kay's strength, we had knocked on doors, we had seen everybody. To we just, there's, a, there's a real lesson there. You know, you do all you can do, and when you've done everything you can do, let God do what God can do. And sure enough, that, this is where it all happened. So we had the stadium. And what was even more interesting was that um, Valeri started talking to Demidov in Ukrainian, which I don't understand. Yep, yep, yep. And then I could see Valeri getting really excited. And we walked out and I said, what was that all about? He said, ever since I was a, a small boy, he said, I had a vision of preaching in the Republican Stadium. Mr. Demidov just invited me to preach next Saturday for 20 minutes before the Russia versus Ukraine soccer game in front of 130,000 people, which he did. I mean, even as I tell that story, you think, could that be true? Well, it was true. <laughs> we were there. And it, you know, it's what God can do. 
out of that, we, um, we went back to Australia then and we eventually went over to the Ukraine with a group of about 100 and something, hmm? 120 Aussies from different churches that we taught some Russian to. And uh, we took them, we all went over to, over to the Ukraine and off they went. Now, you know, there was a moment in time when that city, that, that nation was open. If we'd been a year before, the KGB would have stopped us. It was just on the verge of uh, perestroika when everything changed. If we'd been a year later, the Orthodox Church would have stopped us. Right when we went, it was open. Now, I'm not exaggerating when I say groups of Australians preached on street corners and got hundreds saved time after time. We went into army barracks and got people saved. We went into schools and got people saved. Hospitals, police stations, everything was open to us. We couldn't believe it. And what's really interesting, I only learnt this later. Oh, so I should say that what we did do was to keep working with those groups because it's very easy, and, and you know, Americans do this very well. They fly into a country and have a big revival like in, in, in say, Vietnam. Leave, and the people are left sort of spiritually excited but with no follow-up. So we, we made sure we had people that, 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 that sort of discipled these people that stayed with them. We, we gave them computers and we gave them various things and just kept them you know, nurtured. And many years later, we were um, at a conference and there was a gentleman by the name of Sunday Adelaja who runs God Embassy Church in Kiev. It's the biggest single congregation probably in Europe, but certainly in the former Soviet Union. And he said to me when I met him that we'd done this crusade, he said, oh, God Embassy Church began at your crusade. It grew out of that. Isn't that amazing? Now, I didn't know that. And we, we, we left all that and, you know, we, COC had a, a presence in the Ukraine then for many years, but I, didn't, I did not know until I met Sunday. And he said, come back to the Ukraine, come back and see the fruit of the seeds you sowed all those years ago. And, uh, and then just another little end bit, I was in, um, I was chairing a business forum at, in, in Indonesia, great big, um, uh, it was a world day of prayer, but we had a business forum. And one of the people, there was a lady, and uh, it had Sophia, Ukraine. So I walked up to her and I said, oh, you're from the Ukraine? She said, yes, I'm Pastor Sophia. I said, oh, we, uh, in such and such a year, 19, whatever it was, 1991, we did a, a big uh, crusade into Ukraine. She said, yes, I got born again there. And then she said to me, and I am Pastor Sunday's associate pastor. Imagine that, met her in Jakarta, in Indonesia. So, you know, it's just what, what God can do. That story's in the book, by the way, but um, in more detail. But I mean, it's just one of those things where you think it seemed impossible. You know, I just thought in the natural, can't happen. Communist, Soviet Union. My wife's showing me a watch. Okay, wind up. Um, <laughs> next story. I'll keep this one very short. I did a big business conference in Sydney in Phil Pringle's church, C3, and we had quite a big number there, and uh, a few politicians. And one of them was the, whoever it was, I can't remember now, but he ran the Parliamentary Christian Fellowship in Parliament. Lo and behold, the next year, I got an invitation to be the first ever Pentecostal 
to be invited to speak at the Parliamentary Christian Fellowship. So I was the lunch speaker. I mean, the interesting thing is that they told me, <coughs> I got very strict instructions. None of this board again, none of this speaking in tongues, none of this, you know, Holy Spirit stuff. Keep it straight. I said, yeah, okay. I mean, I've, I've, I've spoken in Baptist churches. I've spoken in Presbyterian churches. I know what to do. And they said, you must keep it to 20 minutes because then when the... Uh, uh, when, when the lunch is over, the parliamentarian's got to go back into parliament. It was a big deal. In the Great Hall of Parliament, there was ambassadors and archbishops and uh, opposition leaders and prime ministers. And here's me, you know, the first ever Pentecostal, with my 20-minute talk, carefully timed, carefully calibrated, not to offend anybody. And I was being introduced by Bronwyn Bishop. I was sitting at a table with Peter Costello and John Anderson and a few others. And then... There was supposed to be a, uh, a, um, a music item, then lunch, then Bronwyn would introduce me. That's all good. And I did my 20 minutes. Bronwyn got mixed up. And after the musical item, she got up on the stage, introduced me, called me up and said, put your hands together for John. And there I am with a 1,000 people in the Great Hall of Parliament, a 20-minute speech, nearly an hour to fill. What do you do? I've never felt more freaked in my life. If I could have run without looking like a complete idiot, I would have run. I had no idea what to do. I mean, here I am looking at all those people. You know, you know what I did? I, I know, being a journalist, and I've run newspapers and TV stations, people like to know about people and people's stories. The Bible talks about the test, your testimony is a powerful, powerful thing. So I thought, well, <laughs> they all knew me. Most of those politicians, I'd been a lobbyist, I'd been involved with um, Burdekin Dam. I did Jupiter's Casino at the Gold Coast. It was one of my projects before I was a Christian. And um, a whole bunch of other things. So, and they knew me in my media days, quite well known, because I'd been political reporter for Channel 9. And uh, so I um, lost my point. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so, uh, so I thought, well, what can I do? I know, so I'll tell my testimony. Now, I wouldn't have had the courage in a million years to stand up in front of a thousand people in the Great Hall of Parliament and share my testimony. I mean, I've done it probably a hundred times in their full gospel businessmen and you know, little groups. So that's all I can do. So I just, I, I sort of, as I went, I melded my testimony into the, uh, into the, the overall sort of thing I'd written. And you know, it, was, it really was impactful. So impactful, in fact, that the next year they had Phil Pringle who also was a Pentecostal. But, you know, Bronwyn Bishop had tears running down her eyes and, you know, I told my, my, my testimony very genuinely. And I thought afterwards, well, that's amazing. In fact, that afternoon, I got called, invited up to, um, uh, to not, Tim Fisher. Tim Fisher was the um, leader of the uh, National Party then. And he said, oh, yeah, that was fantastic. He said, I love that. He said, you make a great politician. And I said, oh, would you? And, um, and he said, uh, also, he said, you could reach out into those Pentecostals for us, couldn't you? You know, I was a friend of Phil Pringle, a friend of Brian Houston and COC. I knew what he was on about. He said, look, he said, if you'd, if you'd come on board, I'll offer you a guaranteed Senate position and a fast track to a junior ministry. I thought, wow, this is my destiny. Ran home to Kay and said, hey, we're going to be in the Senate. And she said, let's pray about this. <laughs> I said, come on, you. Come on, you know, get, 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 get with the program. We prayed about it, and you know, truly, I can, I can speak in public, but 
I know that I've got a thin skin. I get, I get upset when people attack me. I'm a yes person. I, I, I'm not really, a, I wouldn't have made a good politician. So I, I, went, you know, I went back to Tim and I said, I'm not going to do it. But what that led to, and this is how God can just sort of open things up. I thought, well, okay. I mean, I've had a background in lobbying and PR and, and media. And now, you know, somebody thinks I should be a senator. So maybe I should use those connections. So I got together with another fellow down in Canberra, John McNichol, who was a Christian, but, but he had been the policy advisor to Lionel Murphy, who was the Attorney General to Gough Whitlam. Now, I had been an advisor to John Gorton, a Liberal Prime Minister. So we were, you know, two ends of the, of the programme. But we just, he said to me, I said to him, somebody should start an organ, a lobby group, an organisation that can sort of have an impact on, on politics in this country. He said, we should. He said, well, you know, you've got a high profile, why don't you do it? I said, oh, oh, okay. So it was just like that. So we formed a little organisation. We, we originally called it the Australian Christian Coalition, later changed it to Australian Christian Lobby, and the rest is history. I mean, it's become one of the more influential groups in Australia. People like Jim, uh, Jim, Jim Wallace, you'd all have heard of Jim Wallace, Brigadier General Jim Wallace. All started because I couldn't get a job as a senator. So you don't know what God's got in charge, got in store for you, do you? Now the, the how are we going? Okay, f five minutes. My testimony. This normally takes an hour and a half. Just lock the doors, somebody. <laughs> don't let them out. But you know, I, I, I grew up. And this can go on a long time, right? I'll do the short version. Also, give you the the, the PG version, not the R-rated version. But I, I grew up as a very ordinary kid, overweight, bullied. Nobody in my family had ever gone to university. I'd never heard of university. And there was nothing much to, I had nothing much going for me. And I guess, God, I could see, you know, I guess in, in retrospect, I knew God had his hand on me. I, I got a, because I was very good at English, I got a scholarship to Queensland University to do law. Then I met a young lady, a very cute young lady, and we decided we wanted to get married. And, and, you know, five, six years studying in university for law wasn't going to be much good if I wanted to earn money and get married. So I applied and was accepted as a cadet journalist at the Brisbane Telegraph. You know, I can just see, it. I didn't at the time, I didn't see this. Looking back, I can see how God just had a dotted path. Now, I was an Anglican, you know, boring church, didn't like giving money to the church. It was all, you know, all like that. Like I think a lot of, a lot of ordinary Australians are. And um, so I, I, um, uh, was I? Yeah, working for the Telegraph, sorry. And uh, God, God started to open doors and, and I thought, oh, I, I, that was a great idea that I'll write a, a, a series of articles on unsolved crimes. So I went and I researched them at the Griffith, was it? No, there was something like, anyway, where. And I wrote this series of, um, of articles, the whole about five or six of them, presented them to the editor, didn't hear a thing. And then weeks later, I was down at my local news agent, and, and you know, back in those days, they used to have these um, uh, sort of like, what they were, um, posters. And had in great screaming headline, brilliant crime uh, series by, by journalist John Gagliardi, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, wow. So that sort of put me on the, you know, on the 
fast track at the Telegraph. They bumped me up from cadet to D grade, from D grade to C grade. And then I thought, ah, I'm not getting ahead fast enough. So I got an offer from Channel 9 to go there as a political reporter. They upgraded me to B grade. I might add, these gradings aren't automatic. At the Telegraph, when I was a C grade, there's a fellow working with me who was about to retire who was still a C grade. Now, this is pretty, you know, I, I didn't think at the time. I just thought, ah, oh, well, that's, I'm clever, so that's the way it is. But I realised now God just opened doors. Went to the Channel 9. Uh, the Chief of Staff left. Uh, 22, I was running Channel 9 News. I was the Chief of Staff. And I thought, well, OK. My 2IC was in his 50s. So, and then I went into... Uh, that didn't go fast enough, so I got into public relations. That became very successful. Became a lobbyist. Like I said, Jupiter's Casino and Vertican Dam was one of my projects. Uh, I worked for Hudson Con... Yeah, you know, I had billions of dollars worth of projects. So very, very successful. But I started to feel the pressure. And I started to find... And I'd grown up in a teetotal household because my grandfather had been an alcoholic. Not just an alcoholic, he founded AA in Queensland. I mean, we, you know, wow, wow, <laughs> proud claim. So I knew about this stuff. And I, it wasn't until I was at Channel 9 that my, my boss, who was the news editor, got me down to the Regatta Hotel. I remember he gave me a scotch and ginger ale and said, just drink it, you know, it won't hurt you. And I remember drinking it. And, you know, there's an old saying that alcohol won't do anything to you unless it does an awful lot for you. Now, most people could drink that and nothing. You know, people drink wine. I, I'm not neither for or against people drinking wine. I mean, if it doesn't, if it's not a problem to you, go for it. But I drank this, and it was like my world clicked into place. Now, I, you know, I'd grown up in a very working-class background. I was overweight. I was bullied. I didn't really you know, stand out at anything much when I was young. And, then, and, and, and here I am at sort of running Channel 9, but I always had this feeling that it wasn't the real me. I know I've heard other people talk about this, that one day everybody's going to wake up that it's just you. You might be the chief of staff of Nine News, but really it's just that little fat kid. And still fat. So I, the danger of that is, of course, what feels good today when you have one feels better tomorrow when you have two. Long story short, I became a functioning alcoholic. Took a while. But over, then for a couple of years, I was really... I was drinking the equivalent of a bottle of gin a day and more, but still doing what I had to do. I mean, I was advising prime ministers. I was advising, you know, I worked for Qantas. I did all this stuff. Always looked respectable. Now, you know, often when I say this, I'm not saying there is, there's people who'll say, ah, that's me. It's amazing how people can hide it. I once spoke to a group in, at a country town in Queensland and, and told that same testimony. At the end of it, the Shire chairman came to me and said, that's me. He said, I, you know, I hide it, but, but I'm an alcoholic. It's amazing. So I crashed and fell in a heap. And uh, it was, in fact, it was just after the Jupiter's Casino. That was the biggest project I'd ever done. I worked for a company called Jennings, and they basically said there's no budget, meaning you can spend what you like, just no corruption or bribery. So I did this and had this massive success. Named Jupiter's Casino, I can tell you the story later. And won the whole thing for them. And then I crashed in a heap. Next thing I know, I'm in a hospital, in a rehab hospital, and um, basically 
you know, all I could see was blackness. Now, it's hard for me now, 30, 40 years later, to think back. But, you know, the reality was, and I understand totally, you know, people who are in depression, it's a scary black place to be if you don't have God, for, for sure. And I'd thrown God out. You know, I'd, I'd become too smart. I'd got four university degrees, including a master's, and I'd done all these clever things, and I thought, all this God stuff's for, you know, for dumb people, not me. Well, there came a time when I realised that the spirit that I had filled myself with was the wrong spirit. And there came a night, which was Easter Sunday, 1980-something, doesn't matter, and I decided I'd do away with myself, commit suicide. And I had the wherewithal to do it. I was in the process of, you know, doing the notes and everything. Now, crazy. On the outside, I was totally successful. Probably the highest paid lobbyist in Australia. I had a wife and four kids that loved me. I had a house. We had his and hers, Mercedes. I mean, you know, big success in all areas, but not in me. I, re you know, I realise now that there is a big empty hole inside of each of us. You fill it with the wrong spirit. I filled it with gin. But there are lots of other spirits you can fill it with. The only spirit that works is the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that. So I stood that fateful night and I was going to do it. And, you know, often I think of the scripture, the, um, uh, the, the prodigal son. It says, he turned towards his father and started walking, but his father ran to him. It was like that with me. Now, I'd kind of turned away from God, not totally. I'd still go to church when Kay dragged me along and put my two shillings in the plate. But church was not any big deal to me. God was no big deal to me. But, you know, I just thought in this sort of moment of absolute despair and blackness, I thought, if this God that I used to hear about is real, he could get me out of this. You know, I didn't pray any big soaring, you know, salvation prayer. That was all I said. And in an instant, God became real. It was like the room became filled with some presence. I'm not saying I saw God, but I could feel it's like a heavy, heavy wet blanket lift off me. The depression lifted off me. And I knew that everything had changed in an instant. I remember I just got on my knees and I hadn't, I hadn't cried in living memory. Too tough. But I just knelt there and the tears ran. I didn't know I'd been born again. I didn't know anything about that. I realise now that's the night that God saved me. And at that point, God opened up a different life completely, which I'm still living now, 40 years later. I mean, God's used me in so many ways. And I won't go on now. I mean, as I said, as a businessman, you can do stuff that's amazing. I mean, I've spoken, I've made a speech in the Russian parliament. I've made a speech in the Great Hall of the People in China, in Ho Chi Minh City. Not that if I'd been Pastor John, like Clark wanted, I wouldn't have, those doors wouldn't have opened. So I believe God can use any of us. doesn't matter what you do. I mean, I came from very, very humble beginnings. And yet God just opened doors when I opened myself to him. And as a, once I received Christ, then I understood that anything, God, the Bible says, all things are possible to him who believes. And I believe that's, the, that's true for all of us. Now, I don't know who's here today. I've, I'm a visitor to the church, although I love the church. But if anything I've said has kind of gelled with you, if you think, ah, I'd like to have that experience. I'd like to have that degree of, 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 of God becoming real for me. Now, I'm not saying it's a bed of roses if you accept Christ. I'm saying that 
everything changes. You go through stuff, but you go through it with God. We've been through stuff as Christians, but God has opened up so many doors that my life as a Christian bears no, I mean, I had profile and celebrity when I was a, a journalist and lobbyist, rubbish. You know, what God's opened up to us as Christians is just so much more. You know, I'd like to just invite anybody here today that it's just a matter of opening up your heart and saying to, to God, yes, you know, I would like you to come into me, come into my heart and become my Lord and Saviour. And we're running out of time. I'd just like to give anybody a chance now if, if you'd like, Catherine and I, Catherine, could you come up? We'd just like to pray with you, lead you through a very simple prayer. And if you're prepared to open your heart honestly and just allow God to come in, you'll be born again and your life will be changed. Is there anybody like that now? Just put your hand up. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.